When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. On DAB, digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. After the lights go out on TalkSport. I'm Liam McKenzie. I've experienced life as both a Premier League footballer and professional boxer. And I'm Steve Harmison. I represented England in 63 tests, 58 one-day internationals and won the Ashes twice with my country. In this programme, we're focusing on elite athletes and their transition from their sporting careers to civilian life. We both enjoyed the highs and lows unique to professional sports, a vocation which often leads to adulation and riches beyond the means of the vast majority of people. However, we also struggled with what followed when our respective careers came to an end. When the roar of the crowd becomes a fading memory and the adrenaline fuel lifestyle draws to a close. Tonight on TalkSport, we're in conversation with a man who made over 400 appearances for Southampton and won 40 international caps for Norway, a Saints legend, Klaus Lundekvam. Klaus Lundekvam is one of the modern-day greats in the history of Southampton, having captained the club for several seasons during 12 years with the South Coast Club. After beginning his career in his native Norway with Bran, he joined the Saints in 1996, establishing himself in the Saints' defence where he made 413 appearances for the club. The highlight being the 2003 FA Cup final against Arsenal at Cardiff's Millennium Stadium. Well, Klaus will be joining us in a moment. And Leon, I'm expecting parts of this next hour to be very heavy listening indeed. Steve, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I've looked into Klaus' story and and what comes with him. But what I'm interested to see is the triggers. You know, we always speak about where do the triggers come from and why does one, you know, have so much and fall into this depressive state and then addiction comes into that and so forth. So... I think it's going to be honest, as as everyone has been when they've come on to do this program with us. But I'm just uh, just waiting to see what you know we can relate to and just hear the openness of Klaus speaking. Yeah, it's about what we can relate to and our experiences with Klaus's experiences and and where he's at now. That's the interesting part for me. There's been a lot documented on where he's been, which has been to the darkest point, which has been to very, very much rock bottom, and if you can go beyond, and beyond. Well, let's welcome tonight's guest to After the Lights Go Out, here on TalkSport. It's a very good evening to Klaus Lundekvam. How are you doing, Klaus? <laughs> yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah? I'm uh, yeah, happy to join you guys. After enjoying a fine career in England, where you was a regular for Southampton for over a decade, you announced your retirement in 2008 uh, at the age of uh, 35. 
You failed to recover from an ankle injury, which was pretty persistent. How did you come to terms with having to end your career through that circumstance of injury? I thought I was pretty uh, well prepared for for the retirement. Obviously, I had about a year to prepare myself because of the injury. And I knew, obviously, my playing days was over. And then for me to come back one last time to have in my testimonial game was very important for me. But what actually hit me after... Uh, when the lights was uh, turned off and my career was uh, was over uh, and my testimonial was gone and it uh, was really an emotional evening for me, that, that testimonial game. Uh, what hit me, uh, I could never have sort of anticipated because the, the sort of lack of purpose, the lack of uh, no one needed me anymore, sort of uh, losing the dressing room, losing my teammates and... Uh, being part of yeah a group of players or uh, some camaraderie which I had for 20 years was all mm. of a sudden gone and uh, a massive depression hit me really hard and and from there I uh, I made a lot of yeah I would say bad choices uh, which ended up in uh, in life and death uh, situations with uh, with drugs Unfortunately, that was after the the, the the sort of the months just after your your career ended. What were they like? You know, the realization of not playing football again and and have to move into a part of your life as basically starting again. Obviously, I've I've felt proud of of what I've achieved as a footballer. Obviously, uh, playing uh, on that level for so many years as I did, I, I've I felt privileged and and honoured to serve uh, Southampton for so many years and uh, I, I should have been proud and happy but I wasn't I was really low and then I was sad I cried a lot and and uh, I found it very difficult because I I'm, I'm a very social guy even though I was involved with with the club I was traveling with the club to away games for a while and was involved I wasn't involved uh, to put it that way way to to actually do what I, uh, I was uh, good at, and that was actually being on the pitch and encourage uh, my teammates to do well. Mm. So, Klaus, when you was playing during that process, when you were playing, did you feel any sort of signs then while you was playing? And was there a vision of what you would do after you'd finished from from playing? No, I didn't. I didn't have sort of massive plans of of what I would do exactly. I did one huge mistake after my t- testimonial game and I told myself that I, uh, I'm going to take a couple of years just to do what I, uh, I want to do. And I think that was uh, the worst thing I could have done to myself, uh, to let myself go. Why, why, why was that a mistake? In, in why, why to take a couple of years out? Why, why did you see that as a mistake? I think as human beings, and, and for me especially, obviously I can only speak for myself, but... I think we all need something in our day-to-day life that gives you purpose. I, I think you you need to wake up to something that gives you uh, a sense of uh, well-being or, or, or actually uh, a feeling of, of uh, contributing in some capacity that gives you uh, gives you a purpose in life. And, and and for me, I didn't do that and uh, found out pretty quickly that 
obviously my my teammates and my other friends and colleagues around uh, was working and I was sat there alone really uh, and yeah you can have all the money in the world but uh, I wasn't happy I was really depressed and uh, obviously made very bad uh, decisions even though I was involved in a, in a lot of charity work for Southampton and, and uh, was involved with the club but not in the capacity I wanted to be. Did the loss of the routine or the, the lack of the routine that you had as a, a footballer for such a long time was that yeah. was that the biggest issue, the, lo- the lack of routine of where what Klaus Lundekvarn needed? Without a doubt, yeah. Um, that lack of purpose is, uh, and routine, uh, have structure in your day, was, was, uh, was all of a sudden gone. And uh, I think living in that bubble you're talking about, being a cricketer, footballer, whatever you do, you're so engaged in it, that uh, you think football, cricket or whatever in, in 24-7. And uh, when, when it's over, it's such a, a deep fall that, uh, yeah, what hit me, I, I couldn't, could never expect to, do, uh, to be in the situation I was. But, yeah, losing the, the purpose and, and, and the routine in my, in my day was, was not good for me. Everything just stops, doesn't it? Everything just cuts off and mm. you're like, you're just going into the, the real world and it's like, okay, what what am I going to do now? So now everything sets in, boredom, everything else. Within that first year, what was it like for for you? It came gradually, uh, but uh, pretty quickly, uh, only a few months after my testimonial, I found myself in a place that I've, I've sort of lost, uh, lost purpose and, and lost control of what I actually wanted to do. And uh, yeah, I was sort of in disarray of, of what's next. I sort of uh, wanted to find back to that little boy Klaus again uh, mm. after living in the bubble for for so many years. You can never never replace walking out to 50,000 people every week. The the adrenaline bus is, is, is unbelievable. But what you can replace is uh, it's a yeah a routine in your day-to-day life and and being sort of uh, having purpose every day mm. uh doing something you love but i um i chose differently and i made some bad decisions obviously being involved with with the lot of charity work and all that there was a lot of partying and there was a lot of drinking and that escalated for me pretty quickly and i found myself in a in a, I would say from my testimonial till I actually woke up every morning, had to drink a sort of uh, a milking glass of pure vodka. Uh, only took nine months, so it's it's quite unbelievable how quickly I was uh, losing myself and uh, found myself in a hopeless situation, which I I couldn't see a way out of. Was a uh, was alcohol. Uh, a factor during your playing career was it something that you either had to deal with, or was it something that you enjoyed, or was it was it there at all? Well, yeah, I, I can recognise. Obviously, being one of the lads, obviously partying when when we could, but obviously I would never never been able to stay on that level and perform on that level if if I had uh, drinking issues while I was playing. So that wasn't that wasn't the case. But I can recognise small things in my pattern of of drinking. Uh, I can look back at now. But my drinking pattern during my career wasn't disturbing in any way that I uh, mm. 
I, I lost control or anything like that. But um, I can see, obviously, I went through 17 operations through my career. But even so, I was only... I didn't have long spells of, of being injured. I had dislocated shoulder, I had a broken cheekbone, I operated twice, and and uh, my groins, my hernia, and obviously the ankle, and uh, a few other things. That um, What we saw of in general football today, don't talk about too much, is uh, the amount of opiates and uh, painkillers we use in in uh, Good point. in football, in, uh, yeah. in in sporting sort of life in general, and and I can remember very well my first sort of operation, my first sort of dose of of uh, morphine, for example, and all the opiates that I I got to keep me on on the on the pitch every Saturday. Klaus, do you think that? Com- that I mean, I felt that I was quite addicted to anti-inflammatories. You know. Injuries wise, do you think that it kind of all falls into the same sort of area? You know, like we get into that addiction I do. process. I, I do, because I think you, as professional footballers, cricketers, or whatever, I think we are chasing something to replace that life and that lifestyle and also the well being of. of uh, of being, having purpose in, in life. And I think looking back today, nowadays the, the, the medical team have so much more responsibility. Mm. And it's, 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 uh, you can't really afford to send a player out today with a few painkillers or a bit of cortisone in, in his knee or whatever. I can't tell me how many cortisones uh, I had. Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> uh, but I think, yeah, I, I think for, for many of us, I think there is a problem. And for me, uh, without a doubt, it escalated in a negative way. Me being given a lot of uh, opiates during my career. But that was normal. That was, everyone did it. And, and I came over as a Norwegian uh, to the Premier League and I didn't know any better. But I think uh, that's why it's so very, very important to, to look at these things. And, and obviously now I'm, I'm in connection with with Southampton which they launched their 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 health and well-being plan a project uh, for the future to to look after players in a better way uh, with their mental state which uh, I'm going to be involved in and that that is something I'm really uh, excited about because uh, I think these things we we are talking about are still issues around the clubs talking about opiates and addiction um, but there was one drug that later on spiraled out a little bit of out of control, and that was cocaine. When did you first start taking that? It was 2008 after I retired. Um, I tried it in Spain for the first time. I was away on holiday. Um, I felt at the time that I I was probably chasing something, a bus or or, or something, to give me uh, uh, an uplift or, or whatever, and. Obviously, at the time, I was not performing anymore. I was out of the game, and I, I felt that, yeah, uh, why not? I, I will try it. And uh, what hit me was uh, an unbelievable uh, feeling of uh, well-being and uh, the rush of, of euphoria that I've never, ever felt before in my life. So I, 
I thought there and then I found something that could actually replace or take away the pain I was going around with. But uh, obviously found out pretty quickly, I would say, within a, a year, less than a year, that this will kill me because I, I took it to, to the extreme. As a player, my determination was, uh, was really, really uh, sort of uh, followed me all my life. And I, I took that sort of determination straight into to using drugs as well. And I had the money to, to do it. So it escalated, obviously, with alcohol, prescription pills and cocaine very quickly for me after I first tried it. And uh, how bloody wrong I was uh, mm. thinking that did, this would actually give me more purpose or give me the bus I needed every day. Uh, because after a while, uh, cocaine and any other drug you, you sort of get hooked on, you will actually uh, lose the, uh, the first sort of uh, euphoria you actually get. You mm. will never get it back, but you will chase it by using more and more. And for me, like I said earlier, it became a situation of, of life and death pretty quickly. When was the peak sort of time for you it was a major problem? Well, like I said, with alcohol and after I discovered cocaine and also needed to control my day-to-day -day life with uh, my two little girls, my wife and, and the family life I had, uh, I used a lot of pres prescription uh, drugs tablets to go down, if you know what I mean. Cocaine is, is, is a very sort of uh, stimulant uh, drug. Um, so I needed a lot of uh, benzodiazepines to, uh, to, and sleeping pills to, um, to counter that. But this, this uh, actually escalated uh, unbelievably quick because from, like I said, from my testimonial till I was lying in my own bed alone, uh, shaking, uh, sweating, and uh, have lost completely control and, and needed to sort of drink uh, a milking glass of pure vodka and, and, uh, and take maybe half a gram of cocaine just to, just to get up in the morning, just to function. It happened within a year of hanging off my boots. Wow. And what sort of effect did that have on the family situation? Well, for a start, we get world champions in lying and, uh, and uh, yeah, milipication. Mm. So, uh, and it was the same for me because everything I was thinking about was my drinking and my using. Uh, and unfortunately, I, uh, I hid away. Uh, I didn't want my girls to see me as much uh, when I was high or when I was using. Um, but obviously my wife and, and uh, my good friends around me was very worried about me and, and uh, wanted to help, but they, they couldn't because I didn't realise that I'd had, I had a problem at the time. So what, what actually happened was that uh, eventually uh, Nina, my uh, previous wife, and my two daughters moved back to Norway because they... Uh, they didn't want to be in that environment of me uh, destroying myself. I came to a place uh, pretty quickly there where I actually told myself I'm, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna drink myself to death. And I when I bought that one way ticket to to Rio, that was sort of one of the lowest points of of my my existence really, because uh, I wanted to uh, to get away and 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 drink myself to death. It's very difficult for the family and the close family to uh, to see uh, or to have an. Uh, having a drug user uh, around you because you're so helpless. Uh, you, you want to help so badly, but you can't really before, before you actually yourself hold your hands up and admit, uh, I've got a problem, I need, I need mm -hmm. help. And that took some time to, to break me down. And I needed to be broken down uh, so many times to actually let go and, uh, and sort of say to myself, I, I, I was so tired and I was so depressed. I was so, uh, my life was living in a horizontal, yeah, 23 hours of the day. Uh, I was just ordering the, the things I, uh, I, I needed to have of alcohol, pills and, and cocaine. Uh, so I was destroying myself slowly but surely, uh, or actually pretty quickly. And it ended up for me with a lot of paranoia and, and, and a lot of anxiety. So much came with this that I, um, I found myself, obviously, I've tried to take my own life twice. Luckily, I didn't succeed. And the other time, I, I, uh, I had so much guilt and shame of of actually being where I was and and actually yeah being one of the the legends of the club or being in the place I was and all of a sudden I was completely lost and uh, destroyed so for me to break down that sort of ego that sort of facade of 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 being Klaus Lundekvam as a footballer I needed to break that properly down to to find that little kid Klaus again and, and sort of hold my hands up and, and say, I can't do this anymore, I, I need help. That took some time. But when I found the tears, or, or actually, I, I remember so well when I, for the first time, broke down in front of my girls, uh, my two little girls, Tia and Kaya and sort of accepted that I, uh, I can't go on like this. But having those two around me, we were just holding around each other for, for an hour, I think, just crying, every one of us. That actually started a, a process of some sort of hope because I've, uh, I've sort of I've found myself in a place that I've, I've given up. I can't take this anymore. I, uh, I was so tired, I was so depressed, I was so incredibly low down that I uh, I wouldn't have survived very much longer uh, and obviously having having good friends around me uh, obviously saved my life and as well as good friends being there for you one person who probably helped you more than most was someone who we've mentioned before in this program very highly spoken of and that's Peter Kay the co-founder of Sporting Chance Clinic when Tony Adams called and when Peter Kay came down to see me. That was the first time I, I met somebody in Peter Kay, uh, rest in peace. It was the first time I, I, I spoke to somebody or saw somebody who has actually been through what I've been through. And that gave me so much hope, encouragement of, 
yeah, he's done exactly what I've I've done, uh, and now he's sat here uh, having a good life and uh, has come out of it, and that gave me hope to uh, to go into rehab and and start a process of of getting getting sober and getting help I needed. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. After the lights go out, Leon McKenzie and Steve Harmison in conversation with Klaus Lundekvam on Talk Sport. So Klaus, you uh, you spoke about Peter Kay, who I'm very familiar with, um, with people that I know that have seen him and seen him as a good friend. What was the process for you to seek help um, with me, like you say, you mentioned your girls, my girls are my everything. That when you mention about purpose and hope, they provided me, and I've done a lot of crying myself with my children and you know my ex-wife, um, who's a fantastic woman as well. At the same time, you know when the support and love is there and it's real, that certainly gave me some kind of hope to to fight it. What yeah. was what was your process? Very similar, Leon. Um... To break down and uh, in front of the people you love the most is um, is something uh, like I said gave me an enormous amount of of uh, hope and and strength in a way, uh, even though I was so low down and and lost that um, the people I loved the most was was there for me, uh, but obviously. They moved back to Norway because they didn't want to see me destroy myself. And my wife has told me, uh, my ex-wife has told me that when she sat in the car going back to uh, Gatwick and and, uh, flying back to Norway, she cried the whole way because she was certain that she would never see me again. And that's where I was. So to get Peter Kay involved in 
and where I was, like I said, uh, to to recognize um, this is a man who who's who's felt my pain, um, gave me hope, and even eventually I needed two attempts, but uh, mm. the second time I. I got into uh, rehab, I got, got into the Sporting Chance Clinic and I got sober for the first time for probably three, three and a half years. Klaus, you know that was on my birthday on the 17th of May. Yeah, that's my Norwegian birth- National Day. That's my birthday. So when you Is checked it? in to see Peter Kay for hope, oh. it fell on my birthday. So there's a lot of hope in that, oh. mate. Yeah, there's a lot of hope, and it's uh, it's Norwegian National Day. I didn't know seventeenth of uh, of May. So I will never forget that. And I've I've got a picture somewhere of me checking in there at the time, and that that is just a, a horrendous picture of me, how I looked, and and where I've uh, how I've treated myself the last years. But obviously. Getting the help I needed at the time there and then was uh, was a lifesaver. And the months I've, I've stayed at, at the Sporting Science Clinic, obviously, it gave me a lot of, of strength and, and hope to, to find a better life again. Um, but saying that, I, how little did I know about addiction? How little did I know about um, the downfalls of, of what's to come? How, how I'm going to live... I would say it's, it might be the easiest part is actually to get clean, but to live clean and to find purpose again in day-to-day life and stay away 100% from any drug is the hard bit. And I've used many, many years to actually get there. So for me, it's been a roller coaster, up and down, and I needed... I needed a relapse um, twice. I've had a relapse, uh, and the last one was going back to 2015. After I read my book, I, I sort of collapsed and I relapsed. And but looking back at that, I, I sort of, in a stupid way, it, I needed proof. I needed uh, secureance of of uh, telling me that i was as deadly as as vulnerable as everyone else because i thought when i first came out of the sporting chance clinic i thought i can do this a little bit different than anyone else and that that little percent will take you back into using 100 percent, and that's what happened with me uh, so I needed to relapse. I needed to get confirmation of that I was as uh, as a drug addict, as a, an addict as as everyone else. So I needed to find find that sort of we're talking about so much purpose and and uh, but you need to experience a completely clean life over many years to actually come to a place that you you actually sitting here today for example uh and being comfortable about it uh but it's taken me many many years and it's been so many ups and downs it's it's been incredible but like i said going back to 2015 when i finished my book and i traveled the country to promote it i took too much on and uh i hit a brick wall again and uh, and that was obviously uh, I took an overdose uh, at the time after that uh, and tried tried to 
to disappear uh, because there was again so much shame and, and guilt in it uh, for me to have failed again. But that was the last time I've touched anything. But now, obviously, working with what I do today in the in the mental health in the psychiatry. Uh, department and the addiction department and giving something back is um, is something incredibly fulfilling and, and giving for me. Klaus, how how important when you when you look back at it, you know, how important was it for you, Klaus Lundekvam, to go public and tell the world your story because it is a it is a harrowing story listening to it. You speak so honestly and open about the troubles that you've had. Well. I think that's that's the that's the boy Klaus. I think the the openness and the 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 humble uh, little kid that grew up on a little fishing island. I didn't want speculations in the press, or everyone sort of knew and was surprised there was me, who was uh, was getting these. Uh, these life-threatening troubles in my life and uh, and for me to actually go on camera for the first time and tell five million people in in Norway for example that I'm a drug addict I'm, uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> I've been using cocaine in three years I've sort of tried to kill, kill myself twice um, was incredibly difficult I can't describe how how emotional I was when I gave that interview. But looking back and thinking back today, I, I wouldn't have done anything different. If we are struggling with things or whatever, when it comes to mental health, I think honesty and openness is, is the way forward because it's so much easier to help when you, when you can put words to it and, and actually talk about it. Would you say that footballers in general are a massive risk to suffer from depression and then to fall into that substance abuse? Um, yeah, I, I would say professional footballers are in a bigger risk than the general public yet, without a doubt. Uh, Steve, what do you think about that? Do you think it's, a, it's, a, it's sport overall or do you think football is more highlighted with the actual industry that it is? What do you think when it comes to you know falling into that category? Can we put it right? right I up just there? think the exit strategy out of football is something I think from a top level is something that's not there. It's not there, and it, it, it is there a little bit in cricket. But what advice would you give, Klaus, to a footballer coming out of his playing days now, who has got money in his bank and thinking that the next part of their life is a breeze? Because we have heard on this series, the likes of Kieran Dyer and, and a few other people have said you know, the mistake they made was not having a plan coming out of the game. Well, that will be obviously my main advice as well. It, 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 it's so clear to me that in all walks of life you, you need purpose, you need uh, something to, uh, you need routine, you need to wake up to something every morning to uh, go to something that actually gives meaning. But it's difficult because, like I said, and, and, and so many others I know have, have said the same thing, that I, why do I have to work? Why do I have to go to something when I don't need to? Because I've got the money, I can do what I want. I can go and play golf every day, I can do whatever I want. Which is okay, but I think in, in the long run, um, if you don't actually find 
uh, a good routine in your day-to-day life and some purpose with your life that gives meaning I think you will find yourself in a, in a gif- difficult state and I, I think it's so easy for a depression to, to sneak in if you don't do it because loneliness, I'm working in the field of psychiatry and, and drug abuse and loneliness and isolation is the worst killer we got and I think for us footballers, I can only speak for myself again, but um, coming down from where I was and to create a life on a completely different scale, it's very difficult. Uh, but that's the only advice I, I would give. So to find something, not everyone can be coaches, not everyone can stay in the football, but they need to find something purposeful that fills their day and takes them up in every morning. Klaus, in recent years, you've travelled around Norway to speak to people with drug and mental health problems. How did you get involved with that? Bit of a coincidence, really. My openness and uh, and so of uh, has always uh, been a big part of me, and um, I've always been a social guy, and I I love working with people. So getting into the psychiatry uh, department of uh, work-wise uh, was a bit of a coincidence. I work today for a, um, a company called Psychiatry Alliance that we are putting in place uh, at the moment. Uh, obviously, we, we locked down, but we put in place 20 activities during the week for people who are struggling with mental health and um, addiction issues um, to give them a purpose in life and and, uh, maybe can feel uh, a sort of togetherness coming to these groups, which is we are the only one in in Norway to do this, which is uh, fantastic to to be a part of. And that's just escalated into uh, me being uh, a mental health ambassador for Norway through my openness and, and through my book. It's a very, very honest and uh, open book I've, I've written about my career, my ups and downs and life, uh, good and bad. So, yeah, and that's that's how it came about, really. I've, 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 I started to help out this company on a small few projects, and, and I love the con- concept of, of what they did. And now, uh, five over five years later, I'm I'm still there, and I'm I'm taking more and more sort of uh, consulates work um, in other parts of the country and speaking about these things we are speaking about, and my life, uh, good and bad, and uh, obviously, my beloved club Southampton is uh, obviously noted this and uh, want to involve me in in their project of uh, mental health and well-being uh, project. So that's something I'm I'm really excited about. I'm I'm really burning for. That's brilliant. But I would I would never have changed it for anything today in the world. It's incredibly rewarding for me, and it's a gift to to give something back and to help other people with my knowledge and experience. But I need to be healthy. I need to be uh, in a good mental state myself to do so. Something I have gone into and I have done since I finished playing, and Klaus, you've, you did it as well You know, until about 2016, was the media work, talking about the game that you were so good in. I love, I love talking about the game of cricket, something I felt so passionate about playing and now commentating on it I feel really really positive about my involvement in the game how did you find doing the punditry on the on Norwegian TV for the football well I, I found it 
like you said, really rewarding and, and uh, I loved it. But saying that, when I got into this uh, in 2010, when I moved back to Norway, I think I was quite vulnerable at the time because I, I've uh, only been sort of clean for maybe six months or so. And going into the punditry, I loved it and I, I, I had a lot to give and I did a great job. But um, it's going back a little bit to, uh, to performing again. Being on a stage uh, nearly every day with live TV on you. And I think uh, even though I loved it and I, uh, I did well in my job, I, I think for me at the time, it was a bit too early. Even though I stayed in, in the punditry for, for four or five years, and um, I think I was, I was quite vulnerable, and, and that was one of the reasons that I, um, I relapsed in 2015 after the, uh, the, the book project as well. So, um, because the, the punditry obviously is, is something that we as athletes can give the insight of, which is a privilege, which is fantastic, and, and sit in Norway and talk about my knowledge and, and, uh, and uh, expertise in, in the Premier League, it was, was, was great, but um, it gave me also that sort of feeling of performing again and having... Uh, having the, uh, the need for applause, the need for uh, acknowledgements uh, all the way. And uh, I think I was a little bit vulnerable for that lifestyle again, and I needed to do something completely different for a while. Mm. Um, and that's what I, uh, I, I landed on what I'm doing now. But I still do, obviously, some punditry and, and uh, are very involved with, with the football, obviously. And, uh, and love the Premier League and, and, and follow Southampton as much as I can. And, and now it looks like I'm, I'm going to work a little bit for them, which is fantastic. You know where you're at. So when you're doing mm. your punditry, you was very aware that that created some triggers for you because you're actually still not properly healed, as, as I would say, recovered. Right. But what happens is we become great actors, Klaus, don't we? You know what I mean? We, yeah, we, 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 we perform, we know how to perform, we know how to act. When the lights and camera are on, we know how to, to go into the action. But what happens is when the camera gets put down is where mm. we are after that. So what you've done is yeah. recognise where exactly your position is. Actually, this makes me a little bit vulnerable so that's fantastic mm. to even notice that, mm. to even highlight that is Definitely. a very, very important point to the reason mm. to why we're even here today. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. To go on to yeah. some highlights, you've played in an FA Cup final, you know, being a captain of Southampton. You've had a fantastic career. Those highlights stand out for you? Well, yeah, the, my... <laughs> My footballing career is, is um, one hell of a fairy tale, and it's one that I've, I'm really proud about. Nothing can take away that what I've achieved on on the football pitch, um, and to be to be a foreign player, being accepted as uh, adopted Englishman in in Southampton, uh, um, and being club captain for for six years at the club as a Norwegian is is something is is huge. And there's so many fantastic memories and so many fantastic people and teammates that I've, I've met over the years and I'm still in contact with. Yeah, the, the, the sort of 14 years I lived in England and the 12 and a half years I played for Southampton was, 
obviously a boyhood boyhood uh, dream. So, so many fantastic memories to look back at, and obviously the FA Cup final is one of them. Also beating Man United six uh, three. Beating Man United six three, and the last game at the Dell, for example, was a fairy tale. With what was that place like? What and... was that place like for anybody that's other than a Southampton fan, Klaus? What was it like playing at the Dell, especially for opposition players who were, you know, found it a bit intimidating? Well, they everyone hated to come down to the Dell, Man United and the big clubs especially, because it was a it was a tiny pitch, and uh, and the supporters were in. Uh, only uh, a few yards uh, in front of you. So uh, it was a very intimidating place to come for a lot of clubs. Uh, and obviously we took advantage of that and went straight after them. Um, I loved Adele and luckily I've, I, um, I managed to have, I think, three or four seasons at Adele before we, we moved to St Mary's. Adele was something special, without a doubt. You played with Matt Letizia, who was an absolute magician. That must have been quite a experience because every time I watched him play I was just like wow um, yeah. you know he scored the final goal against um, Arsenal 3-2 what was that like for you I playing got, I, got a fu- I got a funny story about that oh please let, let's share it please because that season obviously it could never have ended in a better way with uh, the legend he is Legarde coming on and scoring that last goal Mm. Uh, because that was the last sort of uh, Premier League game played at the Dell. But we were in a position that we could actually uh, get a top 10 finish in the league. And I had a personal clause in my contract that if we finished top 10, I had quite a bit of money on that. So I told Matt, because we were pretty close at the time, he bought my house down in Ocean Village. And I told him before the game, if you win this game for us, Matt, I will buy you a case of Malibu and a case of Coke because that's the only thing he drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so on he comes and, and score the winner. Oh, so uh, Monday morning he comes <laughs> I, uh, on his doorstep with a case of Malibu and Coke. So, uh, but what, what a fairy tale, yeah, it was unbelievable. And the, the fairy tale that is you know, the Dell and Southampton and the the life that we've talked about for the last 50 minutes takes you to where you are now. And do you feel as though that this sort of, you've got some form of contentment to dear um, doing the work that you're doing now? Well, yeah, I, I feel very comfortable in myself where I am today, but I'm very aware of my triggers. I'm very aware of of things that could sort of put me in the danger zone. But the, the more years I put behind me, the more experience I, I sort of get of, of living a clean life and fulfilling my days with, with positive things that I feel more and more content with, with the situation, yeah. But I will always have the illness of addiction on my shoulder for the rest of my life. Klaus, you've shown a true fighting spirit understanding your journey, I think it's... It's, it's fantastic. I'm glad you're in a good place as we speak, which is first and foremost. And um, long may you continue to, to do that. And I just want to wish you all the best. It's been an absolute pleasure this evening. And thanks again for coming on. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much, Klaus. Well, thank you, guys. I think uh, a huge thank you to both of you and uh, and what, what you're actually doing with the programme because 
it's so incredibly important to discuss these things and actually talk about them. So uh, thank you very much for, for coming on and, and uh, tell my story. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.